Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Second City Church. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church. Uh, even though I'm not there in person, I am with you in spirit today, just as the Apostle Paul said uh, to many other believers. When he couldn't be there in person, he was there in spirit and in the power in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, the reason I'm not there today is because I recently tested positive for COVID, though I'm doing great and I've tested negative since then. It was just so soon it didn't seem prudent to come back in person with you guys today. So I'm sorry I can't be there, but I think it's best this way. And also this highlights the fact that our hope is not in a person other than the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who promises to be with us as his word is being proclaimed and his name is being lifted high and he is being worshiped. He promised to manifest and to save and to heal and to deliver and that is our hope today that he will do what only he can do. Uh, so guys, I'm excited to bring this word of encouragement to you today. And yes, that is the name of our new series, A Word of Encouragement. And we're going to talk about Psalm 90. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and I want us to all pray for our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ that have been involved in the Highland Park mass shooting. Uh, so let's take a moment and let's pray for them. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer, and our Healer, and our comfort, Comforter and Wonderful Counselor. God, we pray now that you would comfort and be the Wonderful Counselor, bringing the counsel of heaven, the counsel of the eternal God, Lord, to comfort those who are mourning right now, God. God, we pray that as the worlds have been shaken in this time, that you would remind them even today that this is not the end, that as we mourn, we can mourn with hope, that you are making all things right, that you are doing away with sin, and your kingdom is coming. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that today you would lift their eyes to you, the maker of heaven and earth, and the Savior and Redeemer of all those who place their trust in you. And so, God, we ask that you do that now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, uh, like I said, I'm excited to be here with you today, and the name of today's message is A Word of Encouragement. Does anybody need an encouragement? How about you over there? You there? You there? Yes, I need it as well. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 90, and our focus point that I believe that God wants us to take out of Psalm 90, that we can work, walk out of today's worship service being filled with hope and encouragement, is this, that the eternal God will eternally establish you and your work as you gain his wisdom by learning to number your days in light of him. I'm going to read it one more time because this is the focus point for today's message to encourage you. And that is the eternal God will eternally establish you and your work as you gain his wisdom by learning to number your days in light of him. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means and we're going to look at three different things. The first thing we're going to look at as look at is Moses, which the scripture in Psalm 90 and other places calls the man of God. So number one, Moses, the man of God. And then we're going to look at a verse by verse uh, breakdown of Psalm 90 and what God has to say to us and teach us about himself and about our condition and about the hope we can have. And then number three, we're going to look at the eternal wisdom of Christ, the eternal wisdom of Christ that God has provided for us. So before we go and we look at the man of Moses and we look at Psalm 90 and the eternal wisdom that is in Christ, we want to look at the context 
of the Word of God that we're going to dive into today. So number one, what are the Psalms? If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's important that you know what are Psalms. And so the Psalms are a collection that's put together over many years of poems, prayers, and laments. And they're meant to be sung or spoken to God as the listener and by His people individually and in groups. So simply, the Psalms in the Old Testament were Israel's book of worship to guide them from generation to generation into worship, into God's presence. And so today, we can look back at this book corporately and individually, and we can learn how to worship God. We can learn how to be real with our Maker in times of joy, but also in times of sadness and lament and in mourning. So the Psalms are a treasure that God has given us that we may know Him and interact with Him. And so we're going to look at Psalm 90 in particular. So some things you need to know about Psalm 90 is it's the beginning of book four of the five books in the Psalms. So the Psalms uh, in our modern Bibles are broken up into five different books. And so book four is comprised of Psalm 90 through Psalm 106. And Psalm 90 is labeled in the terms of uh, the literary uh, compositions of the different psalms as a corporate lament psalm. So we're going to read it out loud together today. So when I start reading it, you guys can read it out loud with me. Uh, so Psalm 90, who wrote it? So it was attributed to Moses, so therefore we have no reason to not believe that it was not written by Moses. So now if it was written by Moses, which we have no reason to believe it wasn't, that means it is the oldest psalm in the collection that has been put together of psalms for us to look at because it was written by Moses. And it was also written most likely during the wilderness experience. So we just came out of the Exodus Chronicles looking at how God in power faithfully fulfilled His Word to bring the children of Israel out of oppression and slavery into the freedom of being with Him, that they may worship Him freely, but they were in the wilderness. And so we believe that, a lot of commentators believe that, the psalm was written in the wilderness so that those in the wilderness would know on a daily basis, almost like a devotional to be used daily possibly, that God is with them and He is their dwelling place. Though they are in transit, we must remember that He is God, we are man, and that He is bringing us to a good place while being with us along the way. And I love looking at the different translations of Scripture. So we have the ESV, the English Standard Version. We have the NIV, the New International Version. We have the uh, Amplified Version, the New Living Translation, the Lexham English Bible, which is a literal translation from uh, the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And they all add in things to help us organize the Scripture, and they put little titles above each psalm that aren't a part of the Scripture themselves, but they help us get a almost like a focus point of the main point of that scripture. And so I like to read those. And so the ESV says, from everlasting to everlasting, which draws our eyes that Psalm 90 is to lift us, our eyes to be in awe of God as the one who always was, he is, and he always will be, which is different than anything we've ever experienced in our short temporary lives. We've all experienced loss, We've all experienced heartache. We've all experienced uh, transition in many different ways, relationally, with incomes, 
um, with uh, even we moved into a new house just within the past two weeks and so transitions there and things to figure out but we serve a God who is from everlasting to everlasting and that is to comfort us the amplified version uh, labels the song the psalm God's eternity and man's transitoriness so it compares making a, a juxtaposition or a foil in literary terms of God being eternal and man being temporary. And that is to help us find our place that we can wholly surrender to God knowing that uh, he's the only one who is from beginning to end. And then number three, I like how the Lexham English Bible puts it. It says God's eternity and human frailty. And so it reminds us that we are frail, we are weak, we are not going to last, which can actually give us hope some of us, especially in light of today's circumstances we find ourselves in with the Highland Park shooting, Uvalde, uh, things that are going on in the world of government, the pandemic, personal relationships, just letdowns and disappointments, it should bring us encouragement that the earth as we know it and the system of things, and including the people here, are transitory. That there is a day coming where the kingdom of God is coming in its fullness. And it was inaugurated with Jesus on the earth doing signs, miracles, and wonders, bringing healing, bringing deliverance, bringing hope, and then resurrecting from the dead and saying that when we place our trust in Him, we too will be a part of that eternal kingdom. And it can start inside of us now and work its way out. But then there's a day of judgment coming where He's going to judge the living and the dead and Every sin that is hidden now, and the ones that aren't hidden, will have to give an account. And He'll make all things right. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And so we should look forward to the eternal kingdom that's everlasting, and that is the kingdom of God. Now, Scripture calls Psalm 90 a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Um, this makes it the oldest psalm like we talked about. But why is Moses called the man of God? Well, Moses was known all throughout Scripture in many different ways, but he was known as the man of God because he was God's servant. He was God's prophet. And he's the only one labeled as speaking to God face to face. Now, Abraham was considered a friend of God. We know Abraham had encounters with God's angel. And Moses spoke to him face to face. And so he was called the man of God. And so just a little point for us to take from this is that Moses was in submission to God. Did he question God? Sometimes. But by faith, he obeyed God. And this submission led to intimacy. So I just want to encourage you and I today, if you're not feeling God's presence, if you're not where you want to be and hearing His voice, of being filled when you read His Word or when you go into prayer, I want to ask you, are you obeying Him? Have you taken His Word as life to you, as healing for you? But also, have you considered that He is everlasting to everlasting and that He is worthy to be obeyed? Well, when you receive Him as He is, that's when the intimacy starts, right? And so I encourage you today to submit to Him, right? And we're going to talk about how to do that in the wisdom of Christ a little later. Okay, Psalm 90 is also called a prayer. It's a lament. It's a petition, and it's also wisdom literature. And so why is it a prayer? Because it's addressed to God. Anytime you say God, you're talking to Him. So choose your words wisely. But also know that prayer may be easier than you think. You may be able to go and talk to Him because He's made a way for us to talk to Him through the blood of Jesus. 
He has a throne of grace that he's opened up. The veil has been torn. And in the name of Jesus, we can talk to God, our Heavenly Father, at any time. Now, why is it a lament? It's an expression of sorrow and regret of the Israelites' sinfulness because they know that God is holy and they remember their sin in the wilderness. And Moses definitely remembers it. And so they're expressing their regret for it because they know that it is the reason that God's wrath has come on the earth and on humanity in general is because of our sinfulness. So it's a lament, but it's a petition. Verse 12 through 17 says, there are, these are requests according to God's character and promises. So God's character is that his wrath would not last forever, but it's for a moment. But his love and his faithfulness are for a lifetime. And actually, they're for an eternity in Christ Jesus. And so they petition God to forgive their sins, to hear their cry for help, and to, to give them another chance. And so that's why it's in a lament and a petition. And it's also wisdom literature. It's wisdom literature because it teaches us how to live in obedience to God, how to steward His favor on our life, and how to interact with Him as the Holy God. Now, some things about Moses, the man of God, because he's the one who wrote this. Now, Psalm 90 is the eternal Word of God, right? Completely true. And it was written by God, but it came through human agency. So he used a man to write it, which means it has some of the character traits or personality traits of the man who wrote it. And so some things to know about Moses that were God's divine ordering of his experience growing up so that he can know him, know God better, so that he could serve God, and so that he could fulfill his calling to lead God's people into the freedom that God has for them. And so number one, he was, Moses was raised for three months as a Israelite in Egypt in his father's house, meaning his earthly father's house. And then at three months old, his family put him out to be exposed, abandoned to die because of the royal edict. But by faith, they kept him at least until he was three months, meaning his parents, and then they put him out in the basket on the waters because of the government's um, decree at that time that all the Israelite males uh, should be killed when they were born. And then number three, the king's daughter found him and adopted him. <laughs> so he was in his father's house, then he was abandoned, and then the enemy of the Israelites, the oppressors, adopted him. Hopefully this is painting a story of everything that's made up, this man we know as Moses. And he was raised and educated as Egyptian royalty. So in the house of uh, the oppressors at that time. And then at age 40, I'm 39, almost there. At age 40, Moses revisited his Israelite heritage. He killed an Egyptian who mistreated an Israelite in his sight. And then the next day he was accused of murder and he ran away. He abandoned everything at that time. And so, to recap, from zero to three months, he was an infant in his earthly father's house. From three months to 40 years, as a young man in an adopted house. And then, from 40 years old to 80 years old, he was a middle-aged man in the wilderness in his father-in-law's house, because he got married, right? And then from 80 to 120 years old, he was the man of God in the wilderness, but yet in his heavenly father's presence. And so, all that to say is that Moses came to learn because the way God ordered his steps, that home is where God's manifest presence is. Where did Moses experience home? Well, he experienced it at a bush that was on fire. He experienced it in a staff that 
God told him he would use to bring about his power and his presence, to bring freedom to him and those around him. He experienced it in a cloud by day and a fire by night in the wilderness. He experienced it on a mountaintop where there was lightning and there was smoke and there was burning. He experienced it in the wilderness in the tabernacle as they would set it up and God promised to meet with him. And then it was experienced for later Israelites in the temple where God promised his presence would be there. And then today we experience it where two or three are gathered together in his name worshiping him as the church. We can experience it in our heart and then we will ultimately experience it fully and eternally in heaven in the kingdom of God. And so Moses was known as the man of faith. Now Hebrews 11:1 1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and faith is being certain of what we do not see. And so Moses was a man that due to God sovereignly ordering his steps that from a baby to a young man to a middle-aged man to his senior years, he is a man that had come to find that this life is transitory. And it is pointless to put our hope in things that are seen. And so he became assured of the things that were not seen. He became convicted of the things that were not seen. Why? Because God said that there was a kingdom that is different than what he sees, that is free from sin, and that it's coming. And so today for you and I, no matter what your past has been like, God has been ordaining the path so that when everything is shaken, when your relationships have let you down, when you have let yourself down because you have not done the things that you thought you would have done, maybe like me by the age 40, right? I didn't know I would be here at age 39. I thought I'd be way ahead, at least what I thought was ahead, right? Your education did not provide for you what you thought it would. It feels unsafe to go to places that are supposed to be festivals and fun times, broken marriages. You get it, sickness, health, all the things that let you down. All those things are meant to shake us so that we would have faith, knowing that there is a kingdom coming where all these things have been made right and they will be right forever because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, let's look at Psalm 90. This is the part where we can all read it together. Okay, you ready? Okay, Psalm 90, the Word of God, Lord, minister to us. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the world, before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days 
that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The Word of God, Psalm 90. Okay, so a little verse-by-verse breakdown for us. So number one, uh, verse one, is that God is man's help. What does that mean? It says that He is our dwelling place in verse 1. And He has been our dwelling place for all generations. Now, that Hebrew word is used multiple times throughout the Scripture. And it's usually translated the most times as habitation. The second most times as dwelling. And then it's, it's translated once as a den. Have any of you guys ever grown up, or maybe you currently, you have a living room? which is the formal area that guests can come into and sit down, you know, and you can have conversations with them. But then you have another room that's further back into the layer of your house, and it's the den or the family room. And that's where you kick your shoes off, that's where you're watching TV, you're playing games, you're, you know, you're just, you're enjoying life. Well, God has become our den, our habitation, our habitat. No matter whether we're in the wilderness, no matter what we're going through, his presence. He is our dwelling place, and He wants us to find that and experience that. We also see in the psalm that God is our creator, and He supersedes all that we see. He was before creation. As I said, He gave birth to the mountains. He was before the mountains. So look around when you go into these wonderful nature experiences we have. Um, when you go to the Caribbean or you go uh, to uh, the mountains, wherever it is that you like to experience nature, just think, huh, before those things existed, God existed, and He is my dwelling place. So even if the mountains give away, even if nations, my nation comes crumbling down, God is my dwelling place. You want to talk about being anchored in hope and rooted in love? When you come to that understanding, that there's a creator of all of this, then you will have that stability that you're looking for. And we also see in the psalm moving on is that God made man and God ends man. He gives life and there is no life apart from him. And without his life, we are, we are dirt bags. The Hebrew word that says that, where the Psalm 90 said, return to dust, O man. The Hebrew word there is daka meaning something crushed. And it's not the same word for, for, for uh, dust that is used in Genesis 2, where God made man out of the dust, but it's talking about a crushing. And so, without Him, we are just simply crushed dirt. We are that transitoriness. And if we want to do anything that matters, that is everlasting, it has to be what He is doing, that He's invited us into, just like Moses was invited into His plan of redemption. And so we can also and join, join Him in the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ that gives eternal life to all, because that's what He is doing right now. He's doing healing and deliverance through this gospel that we have to steward. Now, we also see that to Him, a thousand years are like a day, and 
like a watch in the night. So something we need to know here is that a watch in the night is just three hours. There are four watches in a night from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to 6. And to him, it's like a watch in the night. If a thousand years is like a watch in the night to him, and by strength, natural strength, we can live up to 80 years, let's say. Wow, how transitory are our lives. Wow, Lord, help us. God is outside of time and he is eternal. And this attribute makes him a true place of refuge for mortal temporal man. Because if we are found in him, then we can truly be safe. And that's why we need to focus on his everlastingness in the midst of all the chaos going on around us. Now, contrasting the eternity of God and the brevity or the frailty, remember the amp version, the frailty of man, um, we are able to see how strong God is. Now, what God, what we also need to learn in order to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom and live a life of wisdom that goes beyond our natural life is we need to learn that what the scripture says. It says that who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And it talks about it is his wrath on sin. That's what we need to know. That it is his wrath on sin that is the ultimate cause of all death, our death. You were made to live forever. Adam and Eve were made to live forever. Eternity is in the heart of man. Why? Because you were made to live forever. So death isn't just a natural thing. Though people can naturally be strong and live naturally a long time, but the reason that death exists at all is because of sin. And then because of God's wrath on sin. And in order to number our days, we have to have the fear of God because of His holiness and because of sinful humanity, that we know that we need to change our ways in order to be right with Him and for His wrath to not be upon us. And so what we learn from the psalm as well is that humanity is frail, yet humanity is accountable to God. And so that is a terrible thing to be found guilty in the hands of the everlasting God. But at the same time, it is ultimate dignity that you're created out of all creation, only humanity was created in God's image, which means to be like Him, and that is our dignity. But it's also our accountability. So we have to give an account to Him for our lives. Now God will not and He cannot overlook sin. And now this life is the wilderness that exposes our hearts, like we saw in the Exodus. And our sin is ever before His face, which means if it's ever before His face, it is what defines our relationship with Him. Remember we talked about submission and intimacy earlier? If our sin is ever before His face, it defines that relationship with Him. It's always in the middle. Now because God is God, nothing is hidden. If sin exists, He sees it and He has to deal with it. And judgment on sin is the main cause of our mortality rather than natural order. I love how Hebrews 4.13 puts it. This is the, the scripture on the night that I believe I was born again, where I realized the gospel is not just for all of those sinners, it's for this sinner. Hebrews 4, 4.13, I fell on my face, and I had the fear of God follow me for the first time. And I believe that's the night that I was born again, because I remembered the good news of the cross at that time. Hebrews 4.13 says, 
and no creature. Everybody say no creature. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed, like in the wilderness, without clothes. There's no covering. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And that was the first step of becoming right with God, is realizing that he's holy and my sin defines our relationship because it's ever before him. And so we can't have a conversation like we should. Sin causes us to live lives of futility as well, rather than lives of fruitfulness, which is God's plan for you. God's wrath is not only reserved for the final judgment, but it's ongoing toward, toward the rebellious here and now. And it's being stored up. As we sin, we are storing up wrath for ourselves on the day of judgment. And even in our strongest attempts to extend human life, remember, by strength we can live to 80 years old, even in our strongest attempts to extend it, we will fall short of the eternal life that God intends for us. He wants you to have eternal life. Now, 1 John 2.15 talks about the pride of life. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. The pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. Everybody say, passing away. Along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so the pride of life will not submit to God as the giver and the taker of life. And this pride does not recognize His holiness or the reality of sin. And this is the first mention in Psalms of a purely natural lifespan. So that means that we should not equate somebody's strength naturally with their strength spiritually or God's favor on their life. Now, until we recognize and surrender to God as holy, we will not have the fear due Him and cannot accept the life He has for us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we talked about learning dumb of your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Well, that's what He wants us to do. Now, the fear of the everlasting God will lead us to His everlasting love. And the Hebrew word you need to get to know and our brother Anthony, who's here today, he can help you say it right, but I think it's pronounced chesed, and it's Hebrew for loyal love. And God's loyal, faithful, covenant love for us that takes care of all that terrible sin that we talked about that hides our face is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. The everlasting God has provided everlasting love through the everlasting life that we receive at the cross of Christ, who's provided an everlasting covenant of forgiveness and peace through the shedding of His blood for you and I. It was God, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, who took, his, who took God's wrath on sin by taking our sin on Himself. And the cross is our refuge and our dwelling place this side of eternity, all the way into eternity. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who Himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we may die to sins and live to righteousness by whose wounds you were healed jesus's wounds for you were going astray like sheep but now you have turned back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls now those who know this chesed love of god in jesus christ they do not wither like the grass mentioned in psalm 90 
but they sing praise and are glad. Like the other part of Song 9, he talks about because the morning light has risen in their souls. The light of Christ has come, and we're able to get up morning by morning, regardless of what we read in the news, and sing praises to God because it's just another reminder that this world has fallen and that Jesus has come, that we can not only be a part of the redemption of this world and help others turn from their sins so that these things don't happen as much, but then we also have an eternal hope that He's going to make all things right when He returns. Now God's anger is for a moment because He has provided help for our sin in Jesus Christ. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For His anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And when we've trusted in the cross of Christ and repented and received forgiveness of our sins, and now we actually are agents of change in His name, where He would have joy in the morning. Psalm 90 also talks about this being a prayer for the next generation, that their children may know God's mercy and His love and His great power. As you walk with God, invite your children into it. As you learn God's Word, teach it to your children so that the next generation may be better than we are. And then lastly, this is a petition for God to do what He said He would do when they do what He commands, that He will bless their obedience to His commands. Ecclesiastes 3, 14-15 in the Lexham English Bible version says, I know everything God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. For God so acts that humans might stand in awe before Him. What is, it already was, and what will be, it already is. For God will do what He has done. And this is a little boggling on the mind-boggling, mixing, that God will do what He has already done. Which means God knows the end from the beginning. And so if you want God to not only establish you through faith in Jesus Christ, that your sins may be forgiven and you may have eternal life and not be swayed by what's going on around you here and now in our sinful, fallen world. But if you want Him to establish your works, your works must be the works that He is doing. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so you and I in Christ, we need to be able to say, I am only doing what I see the Father doing. So my question for you and for I is, as you take an inventory and account based on Psalm 90, learning to number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Are your days filled with doing what God is doing? Are your days filled with praise? Are your days filled with worship? Are your days filled with awe? Are your days filled with placing His Word in your heart, praying and serving those around you, and sharing the message of the cross and forgiveness of sins through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ who's coming back? Are you doing what He is doing? Are you bringing healing to the hurting? Are you bringing the cure for sin to those that are sick with sin? Are you doing these things? Because He will establish it if you are, and there's no promise if you're not. And then lastly, the eternal wisdom that is in Christ Jesus. We must learn to number our days in view of spending eternity with the holy and living God. When we do, we will be in awe of God and will recognize His power along with our frailty and sinfulness. God will become to us, if you don't already know Him as this, Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. And this is Genesis 22:14, with Abraham on the mountain about to sacrifice his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So what this means is that when you're walking with God and He tells you to do things that in the natural order don't make sense, 
It may be because he's already provided what you need in order to do what he's called you to do that will help his plan that is an eternal plan come to pass that may not make sense either right now or even in your lifetime. God in his eternal wisdom, power, and love for humanity has provided for us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to the cross on the hill of Calvary to satisfy his wrath on sin. And by repentance and faith in Christ, we are reconciled to God and we can walk with him again. And last scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31 says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. He became to us righteousness, and he became to us sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Life on earth is short. Eternity is long. Lord, we pray right now that you will help us to learn to number our days, that we may be established by faith in your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns right now, who rose from the dead, that our sins may be forgiven through his sacrifice on the cross. And God, we pray that you would help us to do what you are doing, that our works may be established because they're your works being done through us. So God, I ask right now, that you fill people that are found in Christ with your Holy Spirit, with the power to live with the eternal purposes you have for them, and that Christ would be made known all along the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to go back into a time of worship right now, and we're going to take communion, and then we're going to go out of here in the love and the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus.